This episode is brought to you by Lark Media. Did you ever feel like you had a message that the whole world absolutely needed to hear? You take it, you package it, you bundle it, you send it out there, and then boom! No response. Well, if that's you, don't be disappointed. It might not be that your message is bad. It might be that you're not delivering it the right way. And this is where our friends over at Lark Media can help. These guys are masters of marketing. They've done things for advanced training, where they've come in, they've taken documentaries of our work, and they not only captured what it looks like, but they captured what it feels like to be a part of what we do. They've also made motion graphics that we use before and after our YouTube videos. If you need help, please contact Steve at LarkMediaNYC.com. Again, that's Steve at Lark, L-A-R-K, Media, NYC.com. Tell them that Advanced Trading sent you, and they'll take 10% off. Welcome to another episode of 6 Minute Monday, where I give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. And, and, I'm going to give you a recap of what happened at this weekend's final, the final of the 2023 challenge. So here we go. Tip number one. It is both an exercise tip, it is a recovery tip, it's just a great tip. It is. When you are working on your belly breathing, add an external cue to make sure that you are doing it properly. So you might say, what's belly breathing? Why is it so important? I'm going to keep this simple because it's six minute Monday and I've been going too long. Belly breathing is when you are breathing and your belly expands versus your chest going up and down. So your belly should go up and down as opposed to your chest going up and down. You don't want to be a chest breather. You want to be a belly breather. So anyway, a good external cue is to either Put your hands on your ribcage and feel as you breathe in, your ribcage goes out. And as you breathe out, your ribcage goes in. That is one technique. The other technique is to lay on the floor and put a weight to an half pound weight, a five pound weight. Lay on the floor and breathe in, and you should see that weight go up when it's on your belly. And breathe out, you should see the weight go down when it's on your belly. So why did I say this is like uh, possibly exercise, possibly recovery? Well, recovery, we always talk about in these podcasts how we always breathe after we lift to recover, to get our body reset. It's good to help get your heart rate down. But... In terms of exercise, when I'm going to squat, if I'm going to squat heavy weight, I want the best support system possible underneath my shoulders. And one way to do that is to make a big, fat stomach. Big, fat stomach. And you can do that by expanding your belly. And yes, you can exercise that muscle by putting that external cue on it like a weight or your hands and you practice your belly breathing. Okay, tip number two, something that I am experimenting with. Whew, a little winded from tip number one. Maybe I should do some more belly breathing so I can recover fast. So tip number two, something I'm experimenting with. I am reintroducing Tim Ferriss's tip from the slow-carb diet. Now I'm reintroducing this into my life to have 20 grams of protein within 20 minutes of waking up. So what, what was I doing before this? When I woke up, I was normally taking, uh, I don't know, couple of forkfuls of sauerkraut as the first thing I ate when I woke up just to get probiotics into my system, get my gut health going. But, and then like maybe uh, like two or three hours later, I would have a scoop of protein because I was on the warrior diet and on the warrior diet, I just graze all day. I graze all day and then I eat a full big giant meal at night. But what I did was I flipped the order of it. I went 20 grams of protein within 20 minutes of waking up. That's what I'll do as soon as I wake up in the morning. Say it's like, uh, let's say, to keep it simple, 5 o'clock in the morning, come down, two scoops of protein, 20 grams of protein within 20 minutes of waking up. And then a couple of hours after that, that's when I will have my probiotics. So why am I making the flip? The flip, the reason I'm making the flip is that just going back to Tim Ferriss's logic, and I like it, is that when you wake up in the morning, getting that protein into your system, it's going to help curb hunger throughout the rest of the day. And I think that was a struggle that I was having. On this warrior diet, you're allowed to graze again to the point that you're not starving. 
but I wanted to make sure I, I felt myself having cravings and then some of the things that I was picking at may have not been the best things in the world to pick at. Like, I don't know, almonds, nuts. They're not terrible, but they're not the best thing in the world. So this has really helped me keep my heck in check, my hunger, energy, and cravings in check by getting that 20 grams of protein within 20 minutes of waking up. So in a weird way, in a weird way, I'm now making a synergy between the slow-carb diet and the warrior diet by connecting those two things together. More to come. All right, tip number three, a quote that I am thinking about. This one comes from the great Pablo Picasso. The great Pablo Picasso. He said, my mother said to me, if you are a soldier, you will become a general. If you are a monk, you will become the pope. Instead, I was a painter and became Picasso. That's sick. If you're taking any message back from this, it's whatever you do, whatever you're going to do, I don't care what it is, be the best at what you're going to do. Be the best at what you're going to do. All right, tip number four. Tip number four, this is a, uh, a, a productivity tip. <laughs> so uh, people know that I've been working on throwing out one thing a day. One thing a day. Every day in my life, I'd say now I'm going on like three or four months. Every day, I'm throwing out one thing a day. It might not sound like a lot, but think about it. Let's say it's three months. If I've been doing this for three months consistently, one thing a day, I now have 90 less pieces of waste in my house than I did three months ago. So every day, throw out one thing a day. My productivity tip for you is that if you were going to have this initiative in your home, do not, do not do that with your wife's possessions. I'm not going to say who did it. I'm not going to say how they did it. I'm not going to say why they did it. But the person I'm saying this to knows who, who I'm talking to. But uh, do not do it with your wife's possessions. Uh, this guy, a great guy, sent me a text from his wife, and it was it was awesome. I won't say any more for the purposes of an anonymity, but um, <laughs> don't do that. Start with your own stuff. Because I, I even talked to my own wife about it, and she said, I am Team Mrs. Blank. I won't even say the last name. She agreed with this great person's wife that don't throw out my stuff, and even your uh, – she said to me, your idea is stupid. Anyway, for me, I've been staying strong, staying strong about three or four months. I am consistently doing it. If I go away for a day, I'll throw two things out before I uh, – because I'm not going to be home. I'll throw two things out to make up for the day I'm not going to be home. All right, tip number five. Tip number five, something that I am watching – or listening to that move me, something I'm watching that move me, is Armado, the great Steve Armado from Lark Media, who is in advanced training. He made a video right after the championship challenge. So he, he filmed it. He's like, you want me to film this? He filmed it on his phone. I'm like, yeah, sure. I, you know, a lot of times I see guys filming stuff that we do on our group, but I never see it. Like, they film it, and I don't know where it is. It's in their camera. I have no idea where this stuff goes, but I never get my hands on it. Anyway, he's like, you want me to film the challenge? I said, yes. And then, I don't know, within like an hour after training, he comes, sends a video to the group. Like, I just quickly threw this together. And, oh my God, it's sick. Quickly threw it together. It would have taken me seven years to put something like this together. Uh, it, it was great the way he did it. The guy is a legit professional. He captured the moment. He captured the key parts. I'm going to post it on Instagram if I can. I don't know. I, I know how to do the, these things, but I don't know if it's too long to do. I'm going to post on Instagram so you can get a feel of what I'm going to talk about after the six-minute Monday. But Steve Armato, great, great stuff. Thank you for doing it. I appreciate it. Again, it, it took him 10 seconds, but it would take me 10 years to put together something that great. So tip number six, the, the greatest thing I saw all week, not the craziest thing I saw all week, it, Steve Armato. You're going for two for two here, man. Two for two. So Steve Armato, he put a thread on Instagram about his experience – sorry, it was Twitter – a thread on Twitter about his experience in advanced training. 
Now, look, I hardly ever, I will only go on Twitter. The, the app is not even on my phone. I will only go on Twitter if someone out there directly sends me something from Twitter. So I didn't know this was out there. I hate Twitter. I feel like people argue with each other. I never feel better when I get off of Twitter. I guess I could say that about any social media. No offense, Twitter or Elon Musk. Just my personal feelings here. Anyway, he sends me the thread, and he really gives, it's almost like he's journaling or writing a blog post about his experience of getting back into advanced training. If you remember, Steve Armato was the first ever person that we had on a YouTube video on advanced training. So the guy's been in it forever. I think he was the first ever person that I had on a podcast on advanced training. The guy's been in it a long time, but what it means is he worked out and then he stopped training with us after he left college. After he was a quote-unquote competitive athlete, he disappeared. And when I say disappeared, it's what most guys do. They train with a competitive athlete and they go live their normal lives and they don't come back and do this unless... Unless you're one of the, the loons that stay with us and do these challenges and the outdoor workouts and, and you just you're the freak that, that he now is training with or that he now is. So anyway, he writes this thread on what made him come back and how he came back and the journey of coming back. And there were two particular things that stuck out to me. And it has there's a lot of things that stuck out to me, and I won't cover them in great detail. But one of the things I'll say is that you know, he does talk about the camaraderie, and he talks about being with the guys and the type of guys, and that's all sick. So I love it. But what, what stuck out to me even more were two things that he had to do, that, I guess, outside of training. Like, what happened when he wasn't on the field? And one of them was, he said he had to start going to the gym, meaning he can't just show up on Saturdays. So what he's doing, he's back training with us every Saturday morning, 6.30 at the park. His, when he got into advanced training... It didn't just make him show up on Saturdays. It started to force him to go back to the gym. Now, for me, I am a huge fan of finding one habit that fixes 10 or 20 other habits. Fix one thing in your lifestyle that's going to force you to fix 10 or 20 other things. This way it makes it easy. So I love that. I love the fact that he came back to advanced training and it forced him to go back to the gym. So just by having to show up on Saturday and compete with all these alpha dogs... He was forced to change his entire lifestyle. I love it. Like, I love every second of that. And then the second thing he said, and I, I'm actually pulling it up on my phone because I'm going I'm to read it back. Uh, I'm going to read it back to you guys. He said, what has this done for me? Basically saying, what has this entire process of getting back into advanced training done for me? He said, a while back, I listened to one of Ben Greenfield's podcasts. He had a guest on talking about how men need to have a workout in what the guest called a wolf pack type setting pausing for a second, that's pretty much what's going on at advanced training. We have this wolf pack type setting. There are, I don't know, about 20 guys in the group, and all of them are now in this wolf pack together. They're all in it together. They're waking up early together. They're competing together. They're on teams together. They're going through the grind together. They're in this wolf pack type setting. I'm going back to his post. He said, it helps them from both a physical and a mental standpoint. And this has definitely helped me, especially from a mental perspective. I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going back to his podcast, sorry, his, his, his quote here, or what he's writing here. He said, it hardened me and made me mentally tougher in life and in business. If I can work out before the sun, co sun comes up in six degree weather, then I can get through anything else thrown at me. I'll say that part again. If I can work out before the sun comes up in six degree weather, I can get through anything else thrown at me. Yes, Armado, 
you got it, man. Like, <laughs> a little tears coming to my eye. But yes, that's what this is about. It's kind of like in a Bronx tale when uh, the little kid, I forget his name, is asking Joe Pesci, was it really about a parking spot? And he said, no, it was not about a parking spot. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch a Bronx tale. Go watch the first five minutes and then go watch the last ten minutes. You'll understand what I'm talking about. But yeah, advanced training, it's not about a workout. Right? It's not about a workout. Sometimes people, certain people will say, all you guys are doing is trying to be the best at exercising. But that's not what it's about. Yes, it is about exercising. It's about training. But it's, it's about more than that. So I'll read that sentence from Amato again. If I can work out before the sun comes up in six degree weather, I can get through anything else thrown at me. The other part that I like, this has nothing to do with our wolf pack. It has to do with his wolf pack. It also helps when you have a spouse who supports you being a quote-unquote lunatic on a Saturday morning and tells you that you better not miss. That is awesome. I've always said you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So the fact that his wife is telling him you better go, you better not miss, because it's hard, right? You're getting up and you're breaking a lot of plans with your wife on a Friday night or on a weekend if you have to train every Saturday morning. And I know it, and I appreciate it. I know that these guys, just like myself, I'm in, I'm in the grind with them. They have to tell their wife, their girlfriend, whoever, yeah, I, I can't go out Friday night. I can't go to that late dinner. I can't go to that club. We got to go home. Well, we can't go away on a Friday night for the whole weekend. We have to leave Saturday after training because they have to get to training. And if your better half, your partner, whoever it is, isn't telling you to go, if they're trying to pull at you and say, ah, oh, just sleep in. Oh, let's go get wrecked on a Friday night. Oh, let's stay out all night. Let's go away for another vacation. They're pulling you down, right? So you need to have the same mindset as the person you're with. So a motto, uh, I love it. I love it. So great post. Thank you. This could have been an entire podcast on your thread. But uh, good stuff, man. Two for two. I don't know many other people, aside from Jimmy Uski, who would get so many points in a six-minute Monday. By the way, it's awesome that I have probably said Jimmy Uski's name in every single podcast that now people who've never met Jimmy Uski, never, never even have no connection to him, are coming up to me and asking, who the hell is this Jimmy Uski? We'll get back to that in a moment. So now we are done with the six-minute Monday and we're going to get into what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. Sorry, not Tag Team Challenge. We're literally, we're in the final. So we're in the final. We have two people left. We have Joe Derradita, the number five seed. We have Brian Weintrop, a.k.a. the future, as the number six seed. These guys, the five seed, the six seed, they've now made it as head-to-head people in the final. What's interesting, let's go back to why I call Brian Weintrop the future. So when Weintrop was a sophomore, I think, in high school, when he was a sophomore, I was the defensive coordinator at the high school he was at, and I brought him up to practice with the varsity and to piss off our extremely good linebackers who were seniors. Like, these guys were awesome. Sarno, Galley, Venturini, King, like the whole, the whole crew. Guys who weren't even starting. The whole crew of linebackers were awesome. And I brought them up. I brought him up to practice with us in an individual period. And I was calling him future. I was calling him the future to piss them off, to make them. Th- ah, you guys are good. You guys are great. They knew they were great. I wanted to piss them off and put a spark in them by saying this guy's the future. And it did. It worked. Sorry, Sarno. But it worked. Anyway, so I called Weintraub future. I continue to call him future because when he got to the varsity level, he became, he lived up to the name the future. And he was an outside linebacker. There was, there was teams stopped running the ball outside against him. They could not set an edge. They couldn't get an edge. Jet sweep, done. Quick screen, bubble screen, done. I, I can honestly say there's never been a better player that I've coached who shut down any sort of 
movement towards the outside in terms of a jet sweep and a bubble screen. Just like I could probably say about Joe Sarno, there's probably never been a better player that I've worked with that has taken on a kickout block. Like Joe Sarno has made it his life goal to end and destroy all kickoff blocks. Kickout blocks. Anyway, going back to Brian Weintraub. His name's the future. So during the week, Joe Derradita, who's a guy, like you talk about, like Amato writes this blog post. You could see that how much this guy cares about advanced training, how much it's meant to his life. How, and again, it's not about me. It's about them. Derradita equally crazed and obsessed about advanced training, about competing, about this being his life. And he said, this is the future versus the past, meaning he's the past. Now, why is he saying he's the past? That doesn't mean he's finished. This guy's far from finished. Far from finished. One notable fact about Derrida is that I think he weighs about 280, and uh, he's fast. <laughs> the guy's fast. For 280 pounds, he is fast. I, I think he's clocking in, I don't know, 17, 18 miles an hour, which is fast. Imagine that guy running down on a kickoff. Oh, my God. I don't know who would block him, but he, I know he'd break every wedge. Anyway, so Derrida said this is the future versus the past. And Derrida, why is he saying he's the past? Because he was the first ever guy I trained in advanced training. He's literally number one. I'm, this is 20-something years ago. I'm out of college. I'm trying to start this thing. I'm just trying to help kids have a better shot of being better at college football than I did because I came in there knowing nothing. And he, he was stronger than me. <laughs> so Joe Derrida, the first guy I ever trained, is stronger than me. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like, shouldn't I be stronger than everybody I'm training? And it really was the, the best lesson I ever got because I was completely and totally humbled that he just dominated me in a weight room. So anyway, the future versus the past. Now, these guys, they're in the head-to-head challenge. And I got I to gotta talk a little bit about how they got there. So Derrida is the number five seed, and he gets a little bit of luck. We're in round number one. He's supposed to go against the number 12 seed, but Jimmy Uski decides to go to Scotland. It creates an opening in the, in the bracket system. He's out of the playoffs, and what we say is, okay, now what we're going to do, we're going to reseed a couple guys, and we're going to have Baraji and Hezra do a play-in for the honor of competing against Joe Derrida. So they do the play-in, they do this really hard challenge, and then Baraji has to go again against Derrida. Now, I don't know who would have lost head-to-head Baraji versus Derrida, given weather conditions, how the field changed between their events. But Baraji, that day, when he competed against Hezra, set the best time of the day in that event. Then fatigued, the second time he had to go in the same day, I think he set the worst time of the day, or maybe the second worst, yeah, he set the worst time of the day in that event. So either way, Derrida got a little bit of help. Right? Thank you, Jimmy Uski, for going to Scotland. He gets a little bit of help, and he advances from the Sweet 16 to the Elite 8. Okay, we get to the Elite 8. Joe Derrida goes against Joe Marechko, who is a dude. Uh, the guy has already been a challenge champion. There's been times where he was like a top four seed. I'd say many times this year he was the number four seed. He had a bye week once, and Joe Derrida beats Joe Marechko, he beats the number four seed, he wasn't supposed to, beats the number four seed in that Elite Eight. Then he gets to the Final Four, and he's supposed to go head-to-head with the number one seed, Joe Shalasi. And Joe Shalasi DQs himself because he cuts his foot on an anchor. So really, Derrida gets a little bit of a, a, a softer pass to the Elite Eight. He earns his way through the Elite Eight, and then he gets right into the final four by not letting life get in his way like Shalasi did. So Derrida makes it into the final. Boom. Now we're going to go to Weintraub's journey. So Weintraub starts as the number six seed. He's supposed to against, go against Pete Amorosi, the number 11 seed. Amorosi, busy guy. Guy runs, I don't know, runs an awesome business. It's hard for him to 
He's living in Jersey. He's got a lot going on anyway, and he's a sick competitor. Amorosi can't make it that week, so he's out. So Weintraub gets a free pass into the Elite Eight. But his journey after that is not easy. He has to go against the number three seed, Carpentieri. Carpentieri, who I, like, I'm just thinking of the top of my head, might be one of the most improved guys in advanced training in the last year. Showing up consistently. Killing drills. Uh, one of the fastest guys we have in the program. Hitting 21 miles an hour on his top end speed. He goes against Carp, and he edges him out in the Elite Eight. Okay, Whew. wipe your brow. I got past Carp, the number three seed. Now he's in the Final Four. Who does he have to go against next? Tom Galley. Oh, God. He's got to go against the number two seed. He edges him out. So now, Weintraub, even though he got a bye in the first round that he wasn't supposed to get, he did have to battle his way through the number two seed and the number three seed to get there. Now, the reason Weintraub is number six seed is probably because he only comes to about 50% of the workouts. Again, busy guy, young guy, social life. He's my accountant. There's times of the month where he just cannot get there. If he's not missing half the workouts, he's probably getting a bye in the first round anyway. But he's battled his way into this final. So now, this is now two years in a row that Weintraub is in the final. He won the championship in 2022. He's back in the final in 2023. Derrida, this is, last year he did not make the playoffs, but the year before that, he won the challenge championship. So, this is great. Now, why, I'll bring up Jimmy Uski again. This is forcing us to have a guy for the second time for the second time ever, be a two-time challenge champ. And Yuski, as I said before, was hanging his hat on this. He was ready to retire from advanced training. He's done. I've already got two belts. I'm done. Well, guess what, Yuski? You're not done because one of these guys have to win. So what is, what is the championship challenge going to be? To me, in my mind, I want to make these challenges for the championship. I feel like I want to feel like you're, you earned it. When you win that full thing, I want to feel like you earned it both mentally and physically. Mentally and physically. And I'm going to sidetrack for a second, but last night I was out and I met a guy who's working in the Middle East. He's training cadets. I can't say much more than that, but he used to play professional soccer. And I was telling him about what we do and why we do it. And he said he does the exact same thing. That is, he's training these cadets. He is working on their mental and their physical prowess. Prowess. And he's working on their mental skills when they are fatigued or in high-pressure situations. So people in advanced training who hate our riddles and hate our puzzles, I got nothing else to say. All right, so here we go. We're going to get into what the actual challenge is. So the challenge is, at the same time, both of these guys are going to go. They're going to sit on a bucket. In front of them is a a 7.5-yard chain. Attached to that chain is a sled, and on that sled is 140 pounds. They're going to pull that sled into their legs. And then they're going to pick up that chain and pick up that bucket and move it down the length of the field and repeat. And they're going to do that over and over and over again for 50 yards. And when they get through the 50-yard line, they are not even close to being done. Now, where did this come from? This was inspired by the very final uh, in... The physical 100 it was the final in physical 100 where they were doing something very similar. And Joe Sardo loved it. I loved it. He said, you should do it. I did it. All right, I put it in. But that was not the end. The end after that was, uh, let, me, let me tell you the way I told them. I said, when you get to midfield, you're then going to get on furniture sliders. And you're going to slide back to where you came from. So they already did 50 yards of chain pulls. Now they're going to slide back 
to where they came from. But they're going to stop at the 25-yard mark. So they're going to slide for 25 yards. Then waiting for, the, for them there is going to be a farmer's walk with two 35-pound plates on it. They're going to pick up that farmer's walk and walk it back to the beginning line. That's how I told them it was going to go. We're about to get ready. And then I said, ooh, I forgot something, which I did. Well, actually, I really didn't. I, said, I forgot something. What would you forget, coach? No puzzles? Actually, yes, there are puzzles. So I didn't want to tell them this right in the beginning. For dramatic effect, I decided to throw the puzzle portions in afterwards. So here we go. It's after the sled pulls, when you get to the slider. So in between the sled pull and the slider, there's going to be waiting for you a nine-piece children's puzzle. You're going to assemble that nine-piece children's puzzle, and when you are done, and only when you are done, will you be allowed to get on the sliders. Cool! So we have a puzzle piece there. Then after they do their sliders, they're going to get to that farmer's walk. They're going to carry that farmer's walk to the other end of the field. And waiting for them are going to be six blocks on the ground. And what they have to do is they're allowed to... F they're all face down, those blocks, and there's pictures on the other side of those blocks. And when they get to the end, they're allowed to flip two of them over. If it's a match, they can keep them flipped over with the picture facing up. And if it's not, they have to flip them back both over so the picture is facing down. They're then going to pick up that farmer's walk, walk back to where they came from with it, make a full complete loop, and repeat back to where they were. So they're basically going to continue to walk back and forth with that farmer's walk in between every set of flipping over those cards. So yes, they are mentally exhausted. They did a 50-yard sled pull. They did a puzzle. They did a 25-yard slider. They then did about a 20-yard walk with a farmer's walk. They flip over two cars, and they have to do another 20-yard walk to where they started from, and then a 20-yard walk back to flip over these memory pieces. So you can see that there are many variables in this test. And again, I don't want to make it where the one guy who's mentally superior or uh, really fast or really big and you just make it to one strength. This challenge, I wanted to hit everything. I wanted to hit speed. I wanted to hit strength. I wanted to hit mental prowess. I want to hit, hit uh, you know, being calm under pressure. So this is what the challenge was. So we're going to start off. We're about to start off. I let Derrida pick which, which one of the sleds he wants. I let them each pick a guy they want to help set up the puzzle piece for the other group. We're all ready to go. I say, Weintraub. Do you have the belt? No, coach. I came from Jersey. Like, that's a good excuse. Not my problem, Weintraub. You forgot the belt. You are getting a penalty. So once again, I'm going to say this guy's name. Jimmy Uski had the same problem on Thanksgiving. He did not bring the trophy. I, do I docked his team. Time. He had the trophy from 2021. He had the Thanksgiving trophy. He didn't bring it in 2022. Sorry, you got to bring the belt. Now, Coach, why do I need the belt? Who cares if I need the belt? Well, you need it. It's there for a reason, right? It is an indicator every time. It is a mark. It is a stamp of what it means to compete. It is the visualization of why it's so important. It's why you worked out all those cold six-degree mornings, like Armado said. It's why you went through each of those tag team challenges. It's why you got seated. It's why you went through the whole bracket. It's to own that belt. So at the end, when you win, it's your belt. For the rest of your life, that's your belt. So Weintraub forgets the belt. I said, okay, Weintraub, you're getting docked five seconds. That's it. Sorry, I don't care. So we go. Derrida starts. Weintraub gets docked five seconds. So Derrida starts. And then five seconds later, Weintraub starts. Now Derrida, he's pretty good at a chain pull. The guy's built like a, a Mack truck, right? He's pretty good at a chain pull. Unfortunately, Weintraub is, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, the best person in advanced training at the sled pull. Why do I say that? Because he has the highest power points in advanced training at the sled pull. So Weintraub, even with his five-second uh, delay or Derrida's five-second head start, Weintraub is crushing this event. So Derrida is doing great. It's not like he's doing bad. But Weintraub is absolutely and completely 
and totally annihilating it. He's annihilating the event. And he gets to his puzzle piece. He gets 50 yards. He doesn't look tired, doesn't look smoked, doesn't look impacted. And he's probably getting to his puzzle piece about 10 to 15 yards before Derrida. And it's not looking good for Derrida. The wine trap goes. He starts working on his puzzle. He's flipping things over. Derrida gets there, but he probably gets there about, I don't know, 20 seconds later. You know, this is, this is tough, man. Like, you got to get maybe 30 seconds later, he gets there. Weintraub does a good job. He really doesn't struggle too much with his puzzle piece. And now he gets on his sliders and he goes. In fact, I think he gets from his sliders to the farmer's walk whilst Derrida is still working on his puzzle piece. He's still working on the puzzle piece. Weintraub picks up his farmer's walk. He goes all the way down to the, 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 sorry, the, the memory game and he, starts, he flips over the first two pieces. No match. And then finally, I look up, and then I see Derrida. He's, like, beginning, or he's in the middle of his sliders. So think about how far Weintraub has already gotten ahead of Derrida. Now, this is where Joe D starts to pick up speed. He picks up the farmer's walk. He carries it like it's butter. Comes down. He flips over his first two puzzle pieces. No match. Crap. <laughs> he picks up the farmer's walk, and, like, he was really he was really fast about it, and he starts to catch up on Weintraub. He's starting to gain ground. All the ground that he lost in the sled pull and the puzzle, the first puzzle, he's picking up. And I noticed a sick technique he had. It's really hard with a farmer's walk. It's, it's kind of easy with a farmer's walk to walk straight and put it down. It's hard with a farmer's walk to pick it up straight and go around a cone. It was why I did it. Like going in a circle with a farmer's walk is hard. It's awkward. It's tough to plant. It's tough to go on a curve. And Joe D was basically walking with it, say, in his right hand. Then he would flip it over. He'd catch it in his left hand. It was so light in that he would just catch it with his left hand and go back around the loop. So he, he's catching up to Weintraub. Weintraub's on his second leg, and boom, he gets a match. Whew, nice. He gets a match. Boom, Joe D gets a match. So Joe D's a little bit behind him. He gets a match. Uh, so now it's one-to-one. -one. And I don't know why, but I think Joe D takes his match and throws it. It's seconds lost. I don't know what the hell made him do it. So they just leave it where it was. He's like, took it and threw, threw the match that he have, has. Uh, Weintraub comes back. And I cannot remember for the life of me. Maybe he didn't get a match his third time. But I know this. He gets his second match before Derrida gets his second match. And at that point, it's over, Johnny. Because there's only six pieces. So once you get two matches, that means four of these things are flipped over. There's only two cards left. So that's it. Weintraub gets his second match before Derrida gets his second match. Derrida takes off with his farmer's walk. And Weintraub's got one more loop. And then Derek Dita, at least to my eye, again, he's, he's not smoked, he's not tired, he's dominating that movement, but he essentially would have had to have done two full loops before Weintraub did one, and Weintraub flipped over those last two cars, which he did not do. So, Derek Dita, your watch has ended. You had another successful run, uh, in, at least in my eyes, making it all the way to the finals, but did you not finish the final uh, as a winner? Weintraub finishes as a winner. Weintraub is just, man, congratulations, Brian Weintraub. Two years in a row. There's a lot to be said to this, right? It's not easy to win a challenge. There's a lot of variables just to get to the challenge. So two years in a row, Brian Weintraub is the challenge champion. And it's, it's almost as amazing that two out of three years, Joe Derrida is in the finals of challenge championship, winning it one time. It's, it's like getting, in our world, it's like getting to the Super Bowl. It's not easy to get to the Super Bowl, and it's really not easy to win it in the Super Bowl. I'm sure both of these guys are going to tell you, even the experience of being in the final, it just makes you so much better at everything else in advanced training because now you're operating under extreme pressure with the hardest of hard challenges. And 
to both of these guys. None of these guys looked like they were going to puke. Uh, people were commenting about Weintraub that he never even looked tired the entire time, which I didn't think he did. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. The guy is an absolute, absolute beast, and he's really hard to beat. Uh, let's see what 2023 brings. There are guys that, there. look, what are we going to do? Right? What do you like? I always say this about Ryan Smith. People get upset that Ryan Smith won the Tough Man four years in a row. What are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do that Ryan Smith was not willing to do? Because Ryan Smith never missed a workout, ever. Ryan Smith did not miss a workout. Ryan Smith, I think he drove home from Atlantic City from some Kanye West concert. He was back for like a 5:30 a.m. run. What are you going to do? Because this is when the sting is best. After it right ha- it happens, like right after it happens. So what are you guys going to do if you want to beat Weintraub? Because to be the man, you got to beat the man. You either got one or two things that are going to happen. You got to hope that Weintraub uh, doesn't get any better and that he stays on his path of 50% attendance, right? You got to hope that that happens. Or, or you can hope or you can control it yourself and train like an absolute savage. You can go back on that journey of Steve Armato. You go back on that journey and fix every facet of your life, every meal you eat, everything you do. What am I doing? Am I beating Weintraub today or am I not beating Weintraub today? That's how I would look at it because right now, he's the man. Right now, he's the man. Two years in a row, he won the belt. What are you doing? If you're going out and getting wrecked right now, am I beating Weintraub? Am I being a freak or am I letting Weintraub beat me? I'm eating uh, potato chips. I'm drinking high noons. Weintraub's beating me. Right? I'm missing a workout. Weintraub's beating me. What are you going to do to beat Brian Weintraub? And I hope, I know that guys are going to get enraged by this. Good. Guys used to get enraged by my little Ryan Smith, I don't know, rants. Good. It made everybody else better. It made everybody else better. And Weintraub, yeah, I put a target on your back, brother. But good. I don't want to see you win three in a row. I might come out of retirement, Brian Weintraub, just to make sure that doesn't happen. I don't want to see you winning three in a row. So let's see which one of these other guys, guys who had a good run, who's going to live it, who's going to take that sting, and who's going to want that championship belt. I guess Weintraub was so confident that he was going to win and even bring the belt. Damn you, Weintraub. So, all right, that wraps up the 2023 season. I'm going to post that video or try to post that video on Instagram. I appreciate all of you. I love you guys, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Rob. Who's Dr. Rob? He's the man who saved me. I was in excruciating pain, and within five minutes, he had me up and sprinting again like I was a young buck. Now, if you feel anything like I felt, if you can barely get out of bed in the morning, if you wake up and you feel like you got hit by a truck, if you can hardly put your shoes on, this is a guy you need to go see. Who's Dr. Rob? He's a certified athletic trainer. He's a chiropractor. He worked in the NFL. Again, this is not something that you should take lightly. If you are in pain, do not hesitate. Go out and see him. To get in touch with Dr. Rob, go on Instagram. Go to at Dr. That's D-R. Dot Rob. R-O-B. Dot Milianica. M-I-N-L-I-N-I-C-A. If you tell him that you are from Advanced Training, you will get a free Normatec boot recovery. Once again, do not hesitate. Go contact him today. This episode is brought to you by ProPulse Speed Trainers, created by the mad scientist himself, David Weck. Now, in my 20-plus years of evaluating athletes, there was always one thing, 
one thing that I could look at and tell you if this athlete was going to be sick or if they were going to be an R-coordinated mess. And I could tell you that in about five seconds. And what was it? It was the way their upper bodies moved in sync with their lower bodies. If they were in complete and total sync, I knew the athlete was going to be sick. You've always heard, look at this guy's arm angles. Look at the way the violent arm action, the way this guy runs. Well, those were always the best athletes. Now, what David Weck did is he created these little miniature weights that are about 12 ounces each that you can hold in your hand. And inside of those weights, he has these little beads. And when you run and when, you move, when you're pumping those arms, when those weights are pumping those arms, you can actually hear with those beads if you are on the right rhythm. It's actually sending a signal to your brain to say, yep, I am in pace, I am in rhythm, and it will instantly get your upper body and lower body in sync. If you want to become like Michael Jordan, Randy Morse, LeBron James, Derek Jeter, watch these guys run, watch their sick arm angles, get yours today. Go to shop.weckmethod.com. That's shop, W-E-C-K, that's weckmethod.com. Put in the code WMA270. Again, that's W. MA270. It will get you 10% off of any item that you buy. Go and get yours today.